Hello and welcome to Can't Find My Way Home, the podcast where expats from around the globe talk about the music and art scene in their adopted home. I'm your host, Craig. Joining me today were Kevin Lowe and Jim Hockney. Together we talked about their expat journey from Northern Ireland and England respectively to Seoul, South Korea and then onwards to Barcelona. The guys tell us how they get into playing music. We talk about some memorable first gigs, the contrasts in playing live in the UK and South Korea and we also get into their global adventures in their band You Are Soul. We also take a look at some of the projects they're working on at the moment and an excellent top five. So without further ado, Kevin Lowe and Jim Hockney. Joining me today on Can't Find My Way Home are Kevin Lowe and Jim Hockney. Hello, you all right there, Craig? <laughs> Gents, welcome. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, you all right? Basically, we're going to talk about uh, two parts of the podcast today, kind of a bit about your own backgrounds, your expat life, and then we'll talk about, we'll get into some of the music aspects as well. How did you end up where you are today? Kevin, we'll take you first. Okay. How did I end up where I am today? Well, I am in uh, Spain. I'm just outside of Barcelona. I suppose that that trip started when I made the decision to leave home. I'm from Belfast and that was about 14 years ago. I made, decided to make the trip to uh, South Korea to teach and that ended up being longer than I anticipated. Uh, I ended up getting a fiancé out of it and we decided to come together and just come to to Barcelona and again try that for a year and see how it goes and one year ended up being 10 being uh, a long (laughs) way we'll we'll go on from here but uh, yeah that's how I ended up here yeah, well, um, we're kind of maybe a little slightly similar to Kev. Obviously, we we were in uh, Seoul together teaching teaching the English. After Korea, I came back to the UK to get qualified as a teacher, and just I started working in Rotherham. Just that's just where I ended up getting a job. Uh, that just so I just ended up moving to Sheffield. So that's where I am now. And uh, I've since become uh, a maths teacher, which uh, I must say I prefer the maths to the English. <laughs> You'll be great at working out all those kind of Danny Carey uh, odd time signatures and all that stuff then, right? Oh, yeah, sure, yeah. <laughs> it's in 16, 13 or whatever, you know, you're like, oh, great, okay. So <laughs> you're the go-to guy for that then. In, uh, when it comes to music, I'm very 4-4. Four, four, <laughs> yeah. Don't venture out the fours and the threes. Good no. man, a man after Mordahart. <laughs> Keeping it real. Uh, for those of us who don't know, or uh, you know, obviously we know, but whereabouts is Sheffield geographically? That's in uh, South Yorkshire, so in the north of England, sort of central north. Uh, not not too far from Manchester. It's quite a big, quite a big city. It's like the fourth biggest city in uh, in the UK or England. I can't remember, but yeah, it's one of the ish larger ones. And it's quite a good, it's quite a good city. It's, like, it's got a good musical history to it. You know, it's um. So it's pretty cool. We should say it's the city of steel, right? Yeah, that's it. That's it. It's, yeah, it's roots. Um, it was built on that. Yeah, the it's steel sim- industry. It's similar kind of background to Dortmund, actually, in the steel and coal and all these kind of heavy industries, mm. which are no longer part of the fabric, but definitely were part of the roots of the city. Is it similar? To, like in Sheffield, everything is called Steel City something. So. <laughs> local businesses and um, near us there was a cafe called Steel City Cakes 
<laughs> it sounds really appealing, doesn't it? You know? It's like the stock thing. If you want to, if you're trying to think of something, you got something new, some new project or some business or whatever. Like half the people just come up with yeah, shoehorning the word steel into it. It's a bit of a thing. Yeah, the place where I am, the place where I am at the moment has a lot of sort of uh, textile history as well. It's a it's a smallish town. It's about two hundred two hundred thousand people, but the place is sort of littered with these old textile mills and you can kind of still see the old chimneys kind of around the place and but obviously that's all disappeared so it's it's they're modernizing these old factories and the restaurants and bars and things like that that's just you know but uh, but i mean this is pretty much the the story all over europe no it's it's uh textile and manufacturing has kind of gone by the wayside in most places in favor of of asia uh that's i mean Belfast was and Glasgow, you know, shipbuilding back in the yeah, day. Exactly. And, you know, these days I don't know where they build ships, but <laughs> sorry, not Belfast. I think it's all just done by it is like Lego or whatever. They just yeah. kind of make a bit here yeah. and then send it to another bit and then make it up as they go along. A three D printer. Probably huge, huge one. Titanic three D. Moving swiftly on from our great historical insight there from the three of us. Jim, how did you get into music? What was your... Yeah, so um, I I got into like rock music in the early 90s, kind of a bit through my brother, um, through some friends, and it was kind of, yeah, I think maybe Appetite for Destruction was an album that totally blew me away and really sort of got me into rock heavily. And then, and then the grunge stuff in 91, Nirvana and Pearl Jam and Soundgarden and those bands... I still absolutely love, still like my favourites, and they just totally, I was totally blown away by that music, and it just really made me think I, I really, really want to play music. I wanted to get in a band. My brother was already playing guitar a bit, so that kind of pushed me more towards the drums, and, you know, I was really excited by the idea and managed to persuade my parents to get me a cheap second-hand kit for Christmas, and that was it. I was away, um, so, yeah, been playing drums ever since. Uh, I was, like, 14 at the time, I think. And self-taught? I, I got, I did have lessons for the first couple of years. Uh, me, my parents paid for me to go to a, a like a drums, uh, music school like once a week. I really well, there's definitely no YouTube then when we were, when we were all <laughs> learning the ropes then. No, you, you can teach yourself because there's so much available online, but yeah, I, I needed that guidance. What about yourself, Kevin? What was, uh, you come from a, a musical family or what was your way into the game? Yeah, very, very musical family. Um, my... Mum and dad were musicians. My uncle and my aunt were kind of big into the show band scene in the sort of 60s. So they played yeah, gigs right. a lot and that kind of stuff. We always had sort of like house parties. You know, um, when I'm, I'm talking like when I'm seven, eight, nine years old, kind of <laughs> listening to all these, you know, old guys coming into their living room and singing a song and all that kind of stuff. The guitar was just ubiquitous in my house. So, you know, that was just what I sort of gravitated towards. My brother had a great taste of music, so he was always bringing in good music. And then my sister kind of showed me the ropes on the guitar, and I was just, that was me. That's how I started off. There was a lot of records lying around the house from all uh, the siblings. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, there's seven years between me and my older brother, and then another 11 between me and my sister. So I was, I was kind of, whatever they were listening to, I was kind of listening to. That was kind of, <laughs> I was kind of. Which was. was both ways, though. 
Yeah. Well, thank God they had good musical taste. You know? <laughs> I was going to say, right? You, yeah. You, there might be some, some, some slightly dodgy choices in there, but it, it we'll could've, talk could've about go, that a bit later. It could have gone wrong. Yeah, for sure. But no, no. no surrounded by music. And like I said, the, the guitar was just, there was always a guitar in the house. So that was just the, the natural thing for me to kind of pick up one day and just kind of, you know, see how I got on. My, I remember the day that I actually picked it up and my, my sister, I think, more just to stop me kind of like pesting her or, you know, kind of annoying her. Showed me a couple of chords and, you know, that was it. I was away. You were hooked. Yeah, pretty much. You're pardon the pun, right? <laughs> <You know. laughs> yeah. What about uh, musical influences yourself, Kevin? Jim was telling us about the, the kind of rock explosion that happened for him. What was what the kind of stuff really when you were learning how to play and adapting it to your own style? When I was learning how to play, I uh, was listening to a lot of Dire Straits. I'd say, if, I'd say for a three-year solid, I listened only to Dire Straits, much to the chagrin of my entire family. <laughs> that's that's um, education there. Uh, <laughs> the cause. Yeah, so a lot of Martin Upler, you know, and that was what I listened to. It, it developed, I kind of got into sort of, I remember when Rattle and Hum came out, you two had B.B. Uh, King totally. kind of as a guest spot. And I was like, yeah, that's that's kind of for me. That sounds great. Did um, you ever see the film or the, you know, the documentary film Rattle and Hum? Yeah, I was, it was a guy. I remember a guy in school lent me the, the VHS. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I watched that and it was like four hours long or something like that, if I remember rightly. But um, in Sun Records as well at one point. There's all these kind of really iconic... Yeah. You could just tell they were, we want to play in America, and that's exactly, it. Yeah. Yeah, all of these kind yeah. of hot spots. The Sam, the Sam Phillips studio or Sun Records? Yeah, Sun Records, yeah, they, they did that, yeah. They did, uh, I think they did the song Angel of Harlem there, if I'm not mistaken. I was, uh, exactly. Yeah, so B.B. King, B.B. King leads on to, you know, other blues and kind of, I was, I was big into kind of blues and early rock and roll, Chuck Berry. Elvis, Jerry Lee Lewis, all that kind of stuff. Kind of going into the early 90s, that was the time of the kind of the rock guitar god. So that was like the Joe Satriani's and Steve Vai's and all these <laughs> like guys. Like the so, wizard kind of guys, yeah. Oh, yeah. So when I'm kind of, I'm kind of, you know, getting a few chops together, I have to kind of listen to these guys and go, Jeez, that's, that's a, <laughs> a long way to go to like hit those heights or whatever. But uh, yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of where it all started off and, I would say my biggest guitar hero would probably be Eddie Van Halen. He was he was the guy for me. As soon as I heard Eruption, game over. You know that's it. He's 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 the top dog. He, it definitely not. was a cha- a game changer. And uh, yeah. for me personally, Alex Van Halen's probably one of the most underrated drummers. Yeah, for sure. A rocker, otherwise, I think he just had that fantastic sound. You know, he just sounded like I was like, yeah, you know, I want to sound like that. You know, it was yeah. great. He Actually, could play a bit too. His uh, his his dad was actually a jazz musician, right? And yeah. I think he, whenever he he's interviewed about his style or whatever, he'll always say his influences weren't really Bonham or sort of Ginger Baker or anything. Like it would have been older, you know, swing drummers like Gene Krupa and all these guys. So yeah. maybe that's why you can hear a little bit of that in the in the Van Halen stuff. It's just a little bit. He always it, plays a little bit behind the beat, you know. Yeah. Yeah, he's yeah. never really on top of it. He's always just that little bit behind it, which gives it his his own kind of signature yeah, style. Yeah, exactly, yeah. What about you, Jim? What was the the stuff when you started playing in bands, you know, this kind of natural progression? What Were you playing covers or originals? What? Um, we, we went originals from the off, really. Um, just with, uh, yeah, started getting into bands in my garage, classic 
classic thing to do. I don't know how we got away with it. You could hear us all the way down the street. <laughs> I don't, looking, I don't know how my parents allowed it or my neighbours. <laughs> yes, when you um, were, this is this brings this music to my ears, man, because this is exactly what happened to me. Uh, the neighbours were just a lot of peacemaking going on in those days. Yeah, I think they're slightly more tolerant. I don't know. It's gonna. Yeah, I had I had the electric guitar blasting, you know, in the bedroom seven days we, a week. We, so I saw a picture you posted the other day, Jim. Was it your first live gig? Yeah, yeah. Well, first band that I played a show with that was a because we got into the whole Daily Mail because it was like a, a battle of the band <laughs> um, and they really slagged us off <laughs> but, it's a bit harsh yeah, isn't it that was a good band actually. they were good musicians they, 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 I learned a lot from them because they were they were kind of technically better than me so it really brought me up from being sort of a total novice to being a bit better and being able to gig and I learned it's improved. the interesting thing about bands though isn't it because you can always have one or two people or more who are "Quote unquote better than you," but it's all about what you bring together as a brand, a band that really is the end result, isn't it? And if you go on as mates and all this kind of the chemistry, that's the word I'm looking for. You know, this makes all the difference. Eh? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And that was that was that was like my first, my first, I'd been in a couple of bands before where we'd not really done anything, just sort of messed about in the garage. But that was the first band that we actually did stuff, and um, so it was pretty exciting. I remember actually our first gig. It was the day that I found out that Kurt Cobain had shot himself. <laughs> You're not going to forget that, then, are you? That was my morning, you know. Did, so. did he? Did he? Well, I've actually, I've actually got it on VHS video of that gig, but I've not watched it for God knows how long because I've not had a video play. <laughs> but yeah, but that was actually in a pub, a rock pub in Hull on a Saturday afternoon. Fantastic. So there was pretty much no one there, but um, yeah, <laughs> exciting for me. I think that's all that counts, man, is the memories and all that. I'm going to move things forward a little bit. What, what's the difference then playing with your experience, both of your experiences playing at home and in, uh, in England and Ireland and playing abroad as an expat? What are the, some of the, the differences, you know, like playing in a band? Is it hard to find people? Is it an ever-rotating member, uh, band member list? Well, what I would say is um, I, I was always kind of put off by kind of joining bands or getting involved in the music scene back home because it always seemed like a hell of a lot of work you know you, you got you had to have your own van you had to have your own stuff you had to kind of get to the gigs yourself and unload and sort of put everything up take everything down and you're doing it for little to no money so that always kind of put me off I, i'm sure jim could attest to that no that was kind of the downside yeah i mean i played loads in the uk and, um, yeah it was it just used to be so hard especially when i was younger and have much money getting your stuff to gigs or you didn't have a car right or you couldn't drive or only one of you had a car and i yeah. remember all those days of getting amps and drum kits in at the back of some kind of horrendously small very dodgy kind of car right? and going to no, practice in a pub or something it was um, yeah it was just it was just so hard and plus because when i was young we as a band, we always prioritised drinking. You know, it was a night. It was a night out, so that just made it even more fun. But yeah, and then just we, we, we travelled down to London. Yeah, it was just really hard, and then just generally, I think we found a bit of a contrast when we were in Korea. Chalk and cheese. Yeah. I mean, if you're if you're starting off as a band in Korea, if you're starting off as a band in Korea, it's everything is set up for you uh, in terms of. If you want to rehearse, the rehearsal rooms are there. They're cheap. They've got all this, I mean, really good equipment to kind of. Yeah, you're get, getting some get, proper amps, yeah. right? And generally yeah, yeah. they're in good condition. Yeah, not bad, yeah. And then when you're kind of rocking up for the gig, 
the only thing as a guitar player that you're taking is your guitar, a, a couple of <laughs> extra strings and a, a <laughs> couple of cables. And they've got all the amplifiers in the back line all set up. As a drummer, I, I'm sure it's just the cymbals and that's it, you know. But, I mean, that was that was it. You, you were kind of just going to play at, with their equipment. And when you're done, you're done. and, and then you know, The heavy lifting's been removed, eh? Yeah, big time. And um, and you just sort of got, generally got tripped better as well. Like, you know, you got paid. You know, yeah, a few thrown your way. Mm. Some, some venues, we, I mean, remember Canada Buddy was the classic. We used to play in Bouchon. Where the where the where the guy there was just like you can have anything, any food, any drink, <laughs> just whatever you want, and he and he and he really pushed it all night. You know, he really yeah, he encouraged yeah. us to have two dinners. His wife, his wife was a good cook as well. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Lance, his name was him. Yeah. He would ply us with drinks all night. He was forcing. <laughs> <laughs> did he did he, did he ever play harmonica with you? Yes, he did. Yeah, <laughs> that was his trick. He'd usually be yeah. like. Half yeah, pissed yeah. and we kind of late on into the night, and he'd be, uh, <laughs> he'd bring the, the harmonicas out, and yeah, I yeah. can't remember much more than that. But we had good times playing there too. Well, it was oh, a tequila. Yeah. It was a tequila shot between every other song. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, yeah it was. Remember that the, the tequilas prompted us to do a well, the, the song tequila. Do you remember? Yeah. <laughs> there was a there was a song called Tequila, which we had never played before. Yeah. But after four or five tequilas, we decided <laughs> to you know give it a go. It got you in the mood. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, there, I mean, we get so drunk at those those gigs. Um, it actually it actually saw off one of our members, didn't it? Uh, our former bass player. Yeah, he went a bit went a bit nuts in there. That's last we saw. Like every good spinal tap story, you're going to lose a couple of bass players along the way. What, yeah. what was the name of the band you were in? You are soul. I'll let everyone work out their own uh, meanings for that, of course, because yeah. it's the capital city of South Korea, but it also has another slightly different meaning to yeah, it, maybe. Yeah. Well, we didn't realize when we kind of came up with that name that we were geographically limiting ourselves to <laughs> sort of future future ventures, you know. But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and how long, how long were you guys together for? About four years. We, well, we, yeah, three years. We started off in 2007, early 2007, yeah. and kind of wrapped it up 2010. So about three years, yeah. An eventful time. Great time, yeah. yeah. Great, and I remember your your band that you're in, Craig, the Forty Days. We used to play with you guys quite a bit, and you know I loved watching you guys, and they were great. They were great fun those shows. There was a yeah. lot of good good cats at the time, eh? Playing, doing their own thing. There was St John the Gambler, or oh my god, yeah, the Funk Cups and all these kind of bands. There was a a plethora yeah. of really good musicians about. Really good musicians. The original music you recorded some original music from your as a from your time together in that. the You Are Soul band. Uh, yeah, towards the end, uh, we were a covers band for the two and a half years that we were going. And then towards the end, we kind of realized that we had the opportunity to make a CD. And we were very lucky to have an excellent song player, songwriter sorry, in the, in the ranks, our bass player, John, John Risky. And he came up with just three or four songs that we wanted to do as our own. And we went into a studio and we, we did the whole studio thing for a weekend. It was really good time, good experience kind of doing that. And we, we knocked out a, a little EP towards the end and, uh, you know, something to hold on to and think about. We wanted something to show for the efforts at the end of it. And the fact that they were four original songs is, is all the better, you know. So a big thanks to John for pushing us that way a little bit, you know. Did you notice a difference between the market 
uh, even if we're talking in the past, your time in South Korea, and notice anything in the difference between the the market for covers bands? Because yeah, I played in a ton of cover bands in my time, and we and uh, other bands we kind of mix both of these covers and originals. But did you? You find an inkling for more one than the other. Playing original music is quite hard because you know it's stuff that people generally don't know, and they're just right, kind of right, like, right, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's more of a personal thing as well. It's kind of it's nice to to kind of play something that nobody has heard before. But we were kind of savvy enough to kind of just sort of do the majority of the songs as cover songs that that people came to hear and had a good time listening to, and then you know we drop in. This is one of our own and hopefully you like it and and, and swiftly move on you know but, a bit uh, more like the icing on the cake then the people that we tended to play for were people who were coming out for a friday night they wanted to have you know songs that they kind of already knew requested some songs i can yeah definitely a dance that kind of stuff so they weren't coming out to hear original stuff from us anyway for sure and what about at the moment yeah. jim your your current project tell us about that because that's something quite different from what we just talked about. Yeah, so uh, currently playing a band called Fear Lies. So we're a sort of heavy rock band, original band. So kind of after Korea, because Korea was like the first time I've done really done a covers band and I really enjoyed, enjoyed it, absolutely loved it and was kind of felt a bit done with the UK scene. But it was nice to come back when I came back here and I got into this band. Kind of nice to get back into the the music scene here and as, a, as, a, as someone who's a bit older and a bit more travels. So that's, that's been good, and we, we, we write our own stuff. Uh, made an album a few years back, so that was great to do like my first proper album. Um, and we've kept going. We've sort of nearly put together another EP, and um, you know we're all obviously older and got families and whatnot. We don't we don't do loads, but we still we still play gigs. We play some big shows, some festivals, and keep keep our hand in. So it's not. I think it's nice to. It, I, I really like writing songs and the whole process of writing a song when you know when it really comes together and then you know recording it and is really good to do so that's um yeah great and um, just released a new single during the lockdown and a video during the lockdown which was uh something to work on which was good go on give us a shameless plug what's the name of the song then <laughs> so the song called heist by fear lies um and it is a it's a we we, we put it out there because we were trying to make a video and we weren't really getting anywhere and we just when the lockdown came on i just had this idea why don't we just get people to film themselves in lockdown and then we'll just piece it together. And so people just film themselves doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, Washing the dishes and one thing and all that good stuff. Right? <laughs> yeah. Well, Walk at the dog, playing, whatever they have to do. Me playing chess with my dog. <laughs> we'll post a link to that uh, in, the, in the show notes and uh, everyone can check out because it's good stuff. It's nice. Uh, Nice bit of creativity for these kind of dark times that we're in. You know. It kind of went down well online. It, it got a lot of play in um, Poland. We had a lot of Polish people messaging us saying they really loved it. So Fantastic. That works with the joys of the joys of the internet and spreading the word on YouTube and all that. That's great. What about yourself, Jim, when you were talking about the, the band that you're in, uh, Fear Lies? How would you describe them? What would your elevator pitch be to describe the band? So the, what it says on our on our social media is uh, thunderous anthemic rock. The, that's the, the title. <laughs> Short and sweet, okay. Because <laughs> it's a bit heavy. It's not quite metal, but it is heavy. And I guess anthemic sort of songs. There's I don't know a bit bit of Metallica, a bit of Foo Fighters, a bit of Green Day. Heaviness. Yeah, loud. Yeah, it's really loud. <laughs> <laughs> Very uh, tuned down. I think we're like tuned down half a step, which I, which I quite like. 
There we go. That's rock and roll, right? There. <laughs> you know, it's what all the big cats do. Kevin, what about yourself? What kind of projects are you working on, or have you been working on since your transition from South Korea to <clears throat> to Spain? Well, it's kind of kind of full circle because what I was saying about uh, trying to gig or to make a make a way as a band in the in in the in Ireland or the UK is quite tough, and I suppose it's probably double that here in Spain. Um, so what I have been kind of what I've got into recently is uh, joining up with uh, the sort of jam scene where there's a lot of blues bands that will uh, set up a, a jam session in a bar or, or a club and the band themselves will do 25 30 minutes of, of their set and then they'll open it up to the, the musicians that, that want to play. Um, so as long as it's sort of strictly blues, three chord stuff that everybody can kind of follow, then it's uh, that's kind of that's kind of what we do. Um, in terms of the doing the band thing, the, the Korea definitely sort of uh, scratched that itch for me. It was it was, a, <laughs> it was a it was a great time, and it was great to do a lot of shows and to make the to make the record and to do the original stuff. But I kind of I kind of like the vibe where I, I play with sort of different musicians at any at any given time. So I'm I'm playing with a completely different guitar player one Saturday compared to next Saturday it's somebody else. There could be a horn section joining at, at any time. You know, it's kind of just kind of keeps it fresh. And um, exactly, you read my mind. That's exactly yeah, what I was thinking. Yeah, it's 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 a nice vibe. You are soul is still a going concern, as far as I'm concerned. We're still we're still a band. Uh, it's just we happen to be geographically, you know. All it's just on a bit of a hiatus, right? Yeah. You know, to to oh, use the oh, yeah. from friends, we're on a break. Yeah, it's yeah. A, we're currently on a world tour. We are currently on our world tour. Yeah, so it's just a bit slow. <laughs> and the other two guys in the band. So where are they? So we know where you are and the the other guys, or at least the last two members of the band. John, our bass player, is in London, and Brian, uh, our singer, is currently in China. So he's still out in that sort of neck of the woods. So rehearsals are tough, aren't they? Yeah, rehearsals are a little <laughs> bit tricky. Since we left Korea, we have played. How many gigs have we played? We played two. We played at your wedding, and then we played yes. another one in Ireland, didn't we? That was, we played we in that. Derry and Belfast. Yeah. And then we played in Barcelona. We sort of did a, was a bit of an open mic, didn't we? Yeah. We got together. Um, we, we played in the UK a couple of times as well. Uh, I got us on a festival with Fear Eyes. It's like yeah. an all day festival in, in Barnsley. Um, played at my wedding. Yeah. Um, we did a, we did a little gig in London as well, which John organised yeah. for us as well. So yeah. we're, super. Yeah, we've been we've been quite lucky to kind of keep it ticking along uh, sporadically, but we're kind of lucky that we don't have to rehearse we can uh, we can just kind of you know maybe a, a day or half a day and it all kind of comes back okay yeah. so it's there just, just listen then, to it a couple of times and you're yeah. on the plane and uh, yeah, you know plus. and how did you guys get together i guess we never talked about that how what was the how did the meeting of minds come together i put uh, an advert on dave's yeah. 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 First week when I had on Dave's, Brian responded straight away saying he was a singer. And then he just said, I know a guitarist because he'd already met you, hadn't he? Yeah. Um, that was it, really. We went out for a few beers, me and Brian uh, <laughs> had a good laugh together, and that, that was it. He, he roped you in, and we, 
I don't know, we, we had that first jam, didn't we, where we had other people, I don't know where the other people were or where we got them from. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah. The first rehearsal was about six or seven people. It was, yeah, it was just respond to the call and come to the rehearsal place, and we'll see what what kind of yeah. comes out in the wash, you know. And it's a uh, it's a story that I always like to tell that I am the only original member of You Are So Left because it was me and two other guys who arrived early, <laughs> and for the first hour we kind of jammed together, and then Brian and Brian and Jim rocked up kind of late. I've always said, well, you were an hour late, so I, I've, I'm the only one left who was there from that original session. So I'm the, <laughs> I'm the original member. What kind of stages were you playing there when you were in South Korea? A, a lot of a lot of just kind of small bars, clubs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the first our first gig was with uh, with yourselves when you graciously allowed us to open for you, which I always thought was a uh, a very nice thing because. We, you had never heard us, you know. There wasn't any sort of demo tape or anything like that. You just kind of gave us a shot, and that was the big electric cat Ite one <laughs> down down the stairs in the, down the basement. Stairs, yeah. So there's a lot of a lot of sort of little basement clubs kind of thing. Um, big electric cat was the first one, and then uh, the second gig was FF, which was once once you play somewhere like FF, which is like a it's a sizable sort of place for bands to kind of get up on the big stage you know you're kind of you're kind of you know four feet above the audience you've got the, the great lights and uh we always really wanted to play there when we were rehearsing we're kind of saying i love to play in somewhere like ff and i was always like there's no way we're going to get playing at ff you know it's too, <laughs> too you know it's too rock and roll and uh so when we got the call to play ff that was that was fantastic it was a great yeah, I was just saying when me and Brian were, uh, we used to go out drinking. Uh, we'd go to that club FF every week, and we'd just look up at that stage, and we'd be like, "Yeah, yeah one day." And uh, yeah, we used to, we we played there regular, didn't we? We ended up being like a house band almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we should say it was a bit like a, a cross between a dive bar, yeah. stroke live venue, and they'd have maybe four or five bands on through the night or from early in the evening until maybe one o'clock, and. Usually the expat bands would be on last, like maybe the last two or three bands would be. Uh, it, was, it was a great setup, you know, it was just a perfect place to, to do a gig. Um, if you if you got people came in and you packed the place out, I mean, no better vibe. You know, it was, it was just the perfect size and everybody was just there just to have a good time. And the, you know, the drinks were cheap and, you know, there was a disco afterwards. Well, and Into the wee hours. Remember, remember. Exactly, yeah. Well, just in terms of the the places that we got to play, I mean, we 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 got to kind of strike out further afield as well. We 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 got asked to kind of go down to Guangzhou, which was slightly outside of Seoul, to a place called Speakeasy. Um, I don't know. Did you play there, Craig? You would have uh, a few times. We played. Yeah, <laughs> we, we left it in dust. Yeah, Guangzhou. Uh, we had some good times there. Uh, it's it's memorable for me because the guy that that ran the place, Dave. Uh, was just such a nice guy to us, and he treated us really, really well. He, he was he was in a band himself, so he kind of knew what was kind of what was going on. But it was the first time that kind of felt like a rock star, you know, because he treated us so well. He kind of says, "Guys, after after the show, we'll we'll take you upstairs, and we've got a little, you know, uh, little bar upstairs and little private area and all that kind of stuff." To this day, I still drink uh, uh, Canadian ginger ale and all that kind of stuff uh, <laughs> that was good we got down to busan you know we, we had it, it, it afforded us the ability to kind of 
get out more places in in South Korea and see see around us. And uh, it was just a really nice experience to be able to do that and to meet the people along the way. You know, definitely, this might be one of those things, Jim, where you might not have had these experiences had you not taken the step to to go on the plane to whatever your destination is. You know, it's this whole, the opportunities might not have arisen had you stayed at home. You know, it's it's a different scene altogether. Oh, yeah, completely, yeah. Um, it's just such a good time to be able to experience that. You know, you said that trip down to, those trips down to Guangzhou were amazing. Um, it's such good fun. We kind of used to have, like, mini tours. We'd play somewhere on the Friday night, stay over in a hotel, like maybe in Bunchun, just out of the soul, and then get on the train the next day down to Guangzhou, uh, Stay in a hotel again, play there. You know, it was, you know, it was such good fun, such a good vibe, and like you say, you got really looked after really well. I mean, it is amazing the amount of the amount of good people you meet on your your expat journey. People from all corners of the the globe that you never thought you know you might not have anything in common with them otherwise. Yeah, and it's this kind of this transient lifestyle, and then when you're in that place at the same time together, the, the you make these bonds, whether it's yeah. through music or a couple of pints or whatever it is, but or yeah. both. Yeah, well, the fact that you know I was thirty something when I when I kind of went to Korea, and I think Jim was the same. So uh, I think Me too, in, actually, I was I was thirty when I arrived. Yeah. It's, a, it's kind of a good age to kind of go there, I think. And the fact that if you can come out of that, I don't think normally after 30 you're making too many friends, you know, in your, in your walk <laughs> of life. So it's, to, to come out to have a whole new bunch of friends is, you know, that's a bonus. We, um, you know, we've, I've been to, Jim invited us to his wedding a couple of years ago. You know, Jim came to our wedding and um, it's, it's a friendship that has lasted and, you know, all because of that, that decision to go to Korea, you know. Yeah, there's some good times, and yeah. I think it's, it's maybe is it the old saying is what you reap what you sow. Man. Exactly. Yeah. We've all got like global friends now, so we've got friends dotted all over the world now, haven't we? Yeah. Um, just got to that that period. Gents, how about a top five? Jim, how about a guilty pleasure? Someone you like but you shouldn't. Okay. Um, well, the the obvious one to go for. I mean, I, I kind of don't really like the term guilty pleasures because I like to sort of just. Im- embrace what I like but the obvious one to go for is Nickelback quite roundly hated and I understand why because they have they have made some real dross music however their fourth album The Long Road is a a fantastic album and I will stand by that statement right on he sold enough records so yeah I I saw this Um, YouTube video where a guy was kind of deconstructing Nickelback he just said why everybody hates them maybe that's what the title of the video was and he said some of the good things about Nickelback were the drum sound. He said whatever album he was talking about, he said the drum sounded great on it. I didn't really listen to much of it, to be honest. But then he broke down the negative stuff. And there was all these kind of sex lyrics about, you know, women being on their knees. And it was all this kind of misogynistic stuff. So if anyone's interested, you can check that out. It didn't, it didn't really up his game in estimation <laughs> after that. I just thought, yeah, that's kind of dickish. And I was like, you know, this was this, I think this is even after the Advil, what's her name, Advil? Avril Levine, whatever. Yeah, all of that stuff. Oh, yeah. Nickelback, follow that one, Kevin. Uh, you kind of preempted me there um, with the Avril Levine. I, I, I kind of kind of liked Avril Levine's first album. That's That would be probably my guilty pleasure. What was it, Skate, Skater Boy? Was that Skater like, Boy, yeah. And all that kind of stuff. I'm also I'm also a bit of a sucker for Robbie Williams. 
I will put it out there from a certain period. Um, <laughs> his first, his first couple of albums, you know, I'll put those on if I'm feeling poppy, you know. He did have the guy writing for him. His name's I thought his name is Guy. <laughs> guy Something. Chambers. Yeah, Guy Chambers, and he worked yeah. with uh, World Party and all sorts of bands like that. He's a proper yeah. songwriter. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. He, he, that's where he definitely knew where to kind of uh, hedge his bets. Let's put it. And that he, and and Rob Robbie's marmite. You know, you either kind of. Love him or hate him. There's nothing. There's nothing in the middle, you know. But yeah, I think uh, he's a bit of a character, which we, we kind of need in the music business. I think you know, and uh, love him or hate him, he's he is what he is. It's fair enough. If we've yeah. kind of flipped that on its head, uh, Jim, who should we be listening to? Tell us a band that maybe we're not familiar with that you would recommend for us. Um, well, there's a couple of bands that spring to mind from the local music scene that are really good. There's a band called Servers. We're from Barnsley. They're a sort of slightly netlish sort of band and a bit dark music. They're absolutely amazing. Their first two albums are brilliant. They're absolutely brilliant. We've played them quite a few times, but they really stand out as being a band that I think should should go places. You know, um, They're quite amazing. Also from Sheffield, there's a band called Awooga, who's um, their latest album, their latest EP, I should say. It's just something quite incredible what they put together. Good music. Yeah, we'll so put some of these links in the yeah. we'll put some of these links in the show notes and we can we can share some of that good stuff. If you're into your, your rock or your metal. Kevin, how about yourself? Someone we should be listening to. A band that I kinda got into quite heavily recently. They're quite a big band in the States, but never kind of translated over to our neck of the woods was Cake. Yes. You, I, I'm, I'm sure you know the, the band, but it, I, I had never really heard of them before. Mm. And, the uh, trumpet player. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, trumpet, <laughs> trumpet. That's all you need in a band, you know. And, you're, and you're every set, song, <laughs> you're set. Yeah, but the, the guy who's—I I don't know the guy's name—who sings for them, but um, the, the lyrics that he kind of comes up with, he's more of a—he's slightly more of a poet than a than a singer-songwriter or whatever. It's it's quite heavy. Put to like really good music, you know. And it was my missus that kind of got me into them. Ah, it's either the first or the second album I listened to quite a lot of. It had short, short thing, me long jacket. The distance short, is on short, us as well. Short skirt and a long jacket and the distance. Thank you, right? yeah, yeah, the yeah, distance yeah. and all that. Yeah. Yeah. I so forget those, the name of the album, but it's a good album. A Fashion Nugget, I think it's called. Yeah, right. Um, oh, that might be a, Yeah, Fashion Nugget. Um, really good. Just those two or three albums that they kind of came out with late 90s, you know, completely passed me by. And it's not often that I'll hear a band these days and I'll go, oh, yeah. That's What's that? <laughs> right. I, like, I like that. It kind of stuck with me. And uh, another one is um, we're in quarantine and there's not a lot of kind of live music going on. But if it ever starts up again, if Trombone Shorty ever mm. comes to town, go see him because uh, he's uh, he's from New Orleans. He's he's uh, he's not jazz, but he, he's heavily influenced by jazz. But he's, he's got a kind of a funk rock vibe kind of going on. Embellishing all that New Orleans influences. Absolutely, yeah. And his show is just not energy from the get-go right to the end. I was, I've seen him two or three times now when he's come to Barcelona and just each time just Blows you away. Huh? Absolutely. He, yeah. he featured on one of those episodes of uh, we talked about Sonic Highways, one of Jim's projects, but I think I think he featured on one of those Sonic Highways, the the documentary things that uh, Dave Grohl was putting together oh, with, that, with the yeah. album the Foo Fighters did. Well, he's kind of he's kind of played with some some heavy hitters. He, I know he played with like Lenny Kravitz and and things like that. Um, but he's got his own he's got his own thing going on. Um, he's one of these guys that he, he's constantly on tour, you know, just day in, day out, he's traveling, touring, and I'm sure 
this time for him is absolutely, you know, not ideal. But um, yeah, if you get the chance to see him, really, really good. Good stuff. Jim, who would you like to collaborate with and why? You can be in the band or not. It's up to you. Um, wow, there's just so many. Oh, you can have as many as you want, mate. This is the joys of uh, the joys of podcasting. <laughs> no, so I, I, I guess all my yeah, my sort of favourite musicians. Um, I always loved. I mean, Slash as a guitarist, or um, someone like Kirk Hammett from uh, Metallica. I always like great guitarists, but I loved. Uh, I tell you what, actually, I saw um, I saw Neil Young a few years ago. And uh, it was one of the most amazing live shows I've ever seen. It was just absolutely phenomenal. The guy was just a monster, you know. It just was he just, playing with a band or was he? He, he was not with a band. Crazy he, was, he was by himself, and then he was with a band. He was on the piano, he was on the acoustic guitar, on the harmonica, and then he got a band. They were called Promise of the Real. The band. It just yeah, and it just it just did everything. It was it did all the soft stuff, the heavy stuff. It was like a two-hour, forty-five-minute show. It's just fantastic. He's, he's yeah. on forever. In his mid-seventies, and it was the most incredible performance. And he just thought, "I want to play in that. But I want to play with that band." Do you know <laughs> what I mean? And and he and he just he just had the band in his pocket, like it just. And he was kind of playing around with them. You could tell they were jamming a lot of the stuff, and he was just like, they're all looking to him for when the song's going to finish. And he was doing like false finishes to try and catch him out. It was just amazing. It really was. And it was yeah, that's a different man. I want to I want to play with him. <laughs> Excellent, good call. I mean, it's one of those things that uh, after 50 plus years in the business, you can kind of pull those studs, right? You know, it's, uh, I think we cut them some slack. Um, and he's, he's yeah, still producing a lot of music, Neil Young. I mean, he's just, he just seems tireless. It's just, you know, it's a never ending supply of music. It's a great thing. Kevin, yourself, who would you like to collaborate with and why? Guitar wise, I'd love to kind of sit down with somebody like Ry Cooter, just play with him, because he's kind of like, he's kind of, you can't really pigeonhole him he's not a blues guitar player he's not a rock guitar player he's, he's, he's not americana no he, i mean he's done he's done the whole sort of buena vista thing with the, with the, the cuban musicians yeah, he's done right. african music he's done so i mean soundtracks oh yeah soundtracks for sure plenty, yeah. plenty of stuff paris texas and crossroads and all that stuff um and just an absolutely phenomenal slide player you know pull up a stool and a plug in and play with Ray Cooter, I'd say that would be different gravy, I think, you know, something completely different. You might you might have to kind of forget who you're in the company of to kind of to, to pull it off the way, you know, you just... Well, forget. well, yeah. You might be, the, the head's get a bit shaky. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, for sure. Yeah, we yeah. can but dream. <laughs> Good call. Uh, Kevin, and since, since we're here, what's your, what's your go-to karaoke or Nori Bang song? What are you? Well, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it right. I'll, I, I do uh, My Way, Frank Sinatra. In all its glory? And, well, in all its glory until maybe the, the final note or two. <laughs> I, can't get, I can't get that high. It depends how many beers have lubricated me. But, uh, yeah, that's the one for me. I'll, Fancy I'll yourself as a bit of a crooner at heart then, yeah? Absolutely, yeah, yeah, for sure. Oh, super, yeah. <laughs> How about you, Jim? Well, I'm a terrible singer. I can't. Uh, uh, you and me both, brother. Coffee, so I, I was one of those people who, you know, as we all, with our schools, our bosses used to take us to... The, the singing rooms in Korea and 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 Korea Koreans generally feel very comfortable singing badly in front of other people sober they don't seem to mind it whereas us Westerners we've got it drilled into us that it's an embarrassing thing to do so many times I got put on the spot you know to sing a song in front of my work colleagues so my go-to song would be uh, Purple Haze by Jimi Hendrix it's just quite short it, as well you know 
like I could sing it, even though I still can't really sing it, but it was sort of deep enough to, you know. <laughs> you get to do a bit of air guitar along with it? That was so the one then, I used to do. So then, Jim, you will know the answer. What is the actual lyric? Is it, uh, excuse me while I kiss the sky, or excuse me while I kiss this guy? It's the sky, isn't it? It's the, okay. Yeah, it's the sky. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Philosophical debate 101, yes. <laughs> I think that was confirmed on The Simpsons, wasn't it? Didn't Homer Simpson once say ah, okay. that? He was Sorted, like, yeah. yeah. Sorted. <laughs> There's all these great videos out there where the, the it's mostly like Eddie Vedder and stuff like that, but they they look for all these misunderstood lyrics. Some of them are hilarious, see, eh? because he's yeah. Jim, who's someone, who's the, in your opinion, Jim, who's the most overrated artist? Overrated? I mean, I tend... I mean, I tend not to focus on stuff I don't like, you know. Some people seem to troll the internet trying to find things they don't like to try and trample it down, you know. <laughs> so, but um, Even even in the rock scene then, you know, not, some of the big bands and you just think, meh, I can take it or leave it. How about we give you a second to think and I'll, I'll pass it over to Kevin. Oh, I've got a few. Oh, go for it. <laughs> He's ready. No, it's, it's not so much that. I mean... Um, uh, music obviously is, a, is very personal, and I, I would never say to somebody, you know, your music is shit, you know, or your music is, unless it is shit. The problem more for me is trying to get into music that is uh, regarded as, you know, the high watermark. You know, something like um, Beach Boys' Pet Sounds. I've, I've tried to listen to it, I've tried to get into it, but it's just, it, it, it does, doesn't it's rubbish. It doesn't work. It doesn't work for it. Doesn't work for me, you know. But but people because that's the same one of the seminal rock and roll albums that everybody yeah. talks about, don't they? They say this is a, a masterpiece, and it's yeah. it yeah. laid the, the the foundations for what came after it in the late sixties and then. I mean, I suppose if you were there at the time and it came out and it kind of hit you or whatever, absolutely. I mean, I would never sort of disparage that, but personally, I just could never get into it. Same for um, Astral Weeks, uh, Van Morrison. A tough listen for me. I, and you know, found a man from Belfast, and I should be sort of picking it up, or whatever. But Moondance uh, is a better album, I think. Could be. Basically, anything that Rolling Stone put into a top ten, I'm, I'm always a bit dubious about. You know, the top yeah. ten albums of all time, that kind of stuff. And uh, I mean, Radiohead. You know, they completely passed me by. You know, they, I know I have some friends who are Radiohead nuts. You know, but I'm just like, oh. It's, it's hard going. I've watched one of their concerts. They've been releasing concerts every week, you know, from there was, I watched one from Berlin and then there was Sydney and all sorts of these kind of great cities of the world. And I watched the first hour of one and I, it was just, yeah, that's, I, I quite enjoyed it. I got really into it, but there might be another day when I'm not so uh, enamored. I'm yeah. just like, going to get to the chorus. You you need to get, yeah, I'm you need just, to be in, in the mood, yeah. Just give us the one four five and run about a wee bit, and, you know. But it was yeah. so tense and so weird. I mean, yeah. it really is quite hard to explain. But at the same time, you can see the kind of creative process there and the way, just the kind of complete unorthodox way that they they do things. Yeah, I mean, I would never say they were overrated. You know, if somebody is well into them, that's that's up to you. That's that's your life, you know. But uh, it, it just passed me by. I got one for you, Kevin. If uh, before we had a little uh, bit of a tit tat about Duran Duran a while ago, and uh, John Taylor's been doing bass lines on YouTube, 
He's either doing them on YouTube or Facebook. I watched the one where he did, uh, he showed you how to play Planet Earth, but he kind of yeah. didn't just showing you how to play it, he kind of went through the process of how the song started out and how it developed. And uh, yeah, it's yeah. a, a seven-minute seven watch or so, was it? Was yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, if you're going underrated bands, I mean, Duran Duran are probably one of the most underrated bands going. They, they're a fantastic, fantastic band. Great songs. Band from my youth, man. Let's yeah, me too. Yeah, me too. The mid eighties and all, or even before that, eighty one, eighty two, they came out. Yeah, it's a little bit yeah, yeah. A long time ago, and they're still playing. Jim, how are you in the? Uh, okay, I, I've got one to throw you away. Uh, the Wall by Pink Floyd. <laughs> okay. Controversy. <laughs> yeah. I uh, I do like Pink. I like Pink Floyd. You know, Dark Side of the Moon is a classic. Wish you were here, but um, the Wall. Oh, I just, I just can't. I just don't get is it. Is it the violin um, stuff that put you off? I mean, I, lo- I mean, comfortably numb. Is it brilliant? <laughs> yeah. Have you seen the film? Ah, yeah. Yeah. Bob Gill. Like, if I remember. Yeah, the film is like it's like one long music video, and it, you know, it doesn't quite work as a film. But then when you listen to the album, it's like a soundtrack to a film, and it doesn't doesn't quite work either. And I just think some of it is just really up their own asses like um and and, and like comfortably home that is a brilliant song i absolutely love that song it's absolutely brilliant and there's other moments that are all right but just overall i just think what what are you doing like you're not like this is this bit isn't music or do you know what i mean i think for such talented people i just kind of struggled with it as a whole album but it is rated as a classic album and um, it's true i mean the, the roger what is still gigging or he was until until recently. He was still doing the wall. The wall, yep. There's definitely enough uh, enough people out there who are, who are into it. But yeah, it's interesting when I, I pose this question to the few people. I changed a few of the questions around, but this one causes a little more uh, animated responses. Last week, I had a guy tell me that Lenny Kravitz could go jump off a bridge, you uh. know? <laughs> and I think that was the clean version, right? So it was. Uh. But it's funny, it's, music brings out these responses in us, whether it's a thing that we, a chemical reaction to it, yeah. whether it's good or bad. All right, Kevin, Jim, it's been fantastic to catch up with you both. You too, Craig. Yes. Yes. And, uh, yeah, this is the uh, 10th anniversary of our little album, our little EP, so we're going to be putting some stuff out just to kind of commemorate that and bring back some memories for, for some people. Awesome. So, Yeah. yeah. We'll do it again sometime. Yes, Craig. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. Great to Take chat. care, lads. Okay, thanks, Craig. Cheers. Cheers, then. See you later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for making it to the end of another episode of Can't Find My Way Home. Where can you find us? You can find us on Facebook at Expat Music Pod or simply search for Can't Find My Way Home on Instagram at can't.findmywayhome. You can also find us on anchor.fm. That's where we do our hosting. Also, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts has a YouTube page with playlists and much, much more. Thanks again, and I'll see you on the next one. Cheers.